2: And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai-Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder, trying to get him out of space. Slows a tackle, and there he goes! Crowder! It's a foot race, and Crowder is in there! A 69-yard touchdown. Darnold escapes, trying to buy
0: himself some time. End zone. It's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and <laughs> the QAnator. Oh my gosh! Listen. Thank you.
3: From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet 1. And we are going to recap. The Jets and the Dolphins rematch this one at home at MetLife Stadium. Jets go down by the final score of 20-3. to A lot of people thought that the Jets had a very good chance to win this. A lot of buzz throughout the week. That this would be a great opportunity for the Jets to get their revenge on the Dolphins. No such luck. Tua Tagovailoa was supposed to start in this game, but as of yesterday, he got downgraded to doubtful. So Ryan Fitzpatrick came in, had some shaky moments early on, but then went into autopilot. Ended up playing a very serviceable game. Wasn't elite, but did exactly what they needed him to do. And the Jet defense, to their credit, did pretty well. They were the ones that kept the Jets in this game most of the way. It wasn't until the fourth quarter when Miami got that game-sealing touchdown to make it 20-3. to For the most part, this game was within striking distance for the Jets. A lot of the game had Miami up 13-3. There were some... Bad breaks here for the Jets too They had two very good opportunities That were created off forced Fumbles they weren't able to cash in On either one of those opportunities Sergio Castillo The seltzer chugging champion of the XFL missed a 29 Yard field goal attempt so The Jets had chances They just couldn't cash in on them Andy we're going to get into this bit by Bit including something insanely Bizarre that happened after the Game in the press room but overall Overall, this was a pretty lackluster performance. The Jets offense did pretty well on the first drive. After that, they couldn't get much going. I thought the defense played pretty well, as we said, and we'll get into the specifics of that. But for a game that people thought the Jets would compete in, that's not at all what happened here.
4: No, no, they really weren't in this game. I mean, technically they were in the game until really midway through the fourth quarter when the Dolphins finally extended that lead to 17 points. But after that first quarter, when they had 101 yards, they only had 159 more yards of total offense and the way their offense played with Sam Darnold back and with his top three receivers, as we heard so much about in the build-up to this game, it never felt like they had a realistic chance to win this game because they just didn't threaten to get into the end zone. Uh, and that is just kind of fitting for this year, because, and fitting for Adam Gase's tenure with the Jets, because he was brought here to be, you know, this offensive mastermind, and and now the Jets are dead last in total yards per game in the NFL. They're dead last in passing yards per game in the NFL, and. Not only does it not matter who the quarterback is, it seems to be worse when Sam Darnold is the starting quarterback and Joe Flacco is not. And if there was any doubt in anyone's mind that Adam Gates is not the right man for this job, it should have been eradicated after this game because, jeez. I mean, <laughs> it's just Sam Darnold is not getting better. He's getting worse, and it's not really debatable in any way, shape, or form. If you want to say Donald maybe had some rust, I guess we'll find out next week. But I don't think that's it. It's consistently been happening now. Since Adam Gase has been the coach here, they're just not getting better with him at quarterback, and he's getting worse. So um, I don't know what else to say other than it's dire. Uh, We kind of thought that this might be a chance for Sam Donald to prove that Just maybe he could be the Jets quarterback of the future if he won a couple games. And and this was a very strong argument to the opposite.
3: Final stat line for Darnold, I think, wasn't even as bad as he actually played. I think that the stat line was sort of generous. 16 of 27, 197 yards, and two interceptions. As I said, led that successful drive early on where they were able to get a field goal. And then after that, Wasn't much going on for the Jets the rest of the way. The two interceptions, one of them was a miscommunication between Darnold and Jamison Crowder. The other one was just typical of what we've seen from Darnold too many times this year. He made the decision before he got the ball in his hands, and no matter what was going to happen on that play, he was going to throw it where he was going to throw it, and where he threw it was right into the arms of Xavier Howard. And I was saying the entire game, that Sam Darl was playing with fire targeting Zavian Howard because Zavian Howard was all over his targets all day long. In fact, there was a play where Darl threw one downfield looking for a touchdown strike to Denzel Mims, and unfortunately for him, Mims ended up turning into a defensive back had to basically crawl on Xavier Howard's back to stop him from getting the interception. That wasn't the only time that Howard almost picked off a pass, and then he finally made Darnold pay in the fourth quarter. But this was just a miserable performance. Another example of Darnold not seeing open receivers, making poor decisions, not making the right reads. And at this point, as you said, Andy, it's hard to argue that he's not going backwards. In fact, a lot of people were curious how he would look With these three receivers, Mims, Perriman, and Crowder, Flacco had actually looked reasonably good the last two weeks with those guys healthy for the first time this season all at once. Darnold was a big step back from Flacco. You can chalk some of that up to Rust, but at the same time, if you want to be honest about it, there's just no question that Joe Flacco looked much more in command of the offense and looked to be the much better quarterback with those three receivers than Darnold did today.
4: Yeah, it's really, I mean, you can say Russ, like I said, and that's I'm sure what the Jets will try to, that's basically what they tried to kind of chalk it up to after the game, but this is not some outlier of a performance. This is what we've seen all year long. The last time Sam Darnold threw a passing touchdown was in September, okay? It was week three against the Colts. In the first quarter, he's gone 19 quarters without throwing a passing touchdown. And before this stage in his career, he hadn't gone more than a game without throwing a passing touchdown. So this is not some new development. He's struggling. It's not getting better. He's not seeing the field well. And you can say that the first interception was a miscommunication, and and it was. But still, it's third down here in field goal range. It's a a 10-point game don't make that throw. You can't make that throw, but he keeps making that throw over and over again. So it's, it's frustrating. I'm sure for jets fans, but at the same point, I think jets fans have kind of, you know, accepted the reality here that, that Darnold is what he is, especially with this team. And, and now it's basically going to be determined by their record. And, and from what we've seen, He doesn't have a future here because how is this team going to win multiple games to the point where the Jets wouldn't be in position to take either Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields in the draft? I don't see how that is possible, judging from what we've seen so far this season.
3: That's certainly going to be the main storyline for a lot of Jets fans the rest of the way as the team falls to 0-11 in this game. Rashad Perriman showed you something again today, though. He broke free quite a few times, had a really nice catch down the field. This guy's got speed, and I'll say this. He's been on four teams so far in his career. But as I said on Twitter, you can see why he was a first-round pick. A ton of talent. The major problem is that he's not Reliable from a health standpoint But he gets open and as we Saw with Joe Flacco and a little bit today With Sam Darnold when he gets open He can make plays I'd say there's No doubt about the fact that He's the best athlete to come out Of UCF since a young Andy Vasquez was golfing down there
4: Yeah I don't think There's any dispute that I'm a better athlete than Blake Bortles so (laughs) that's really the Competition in terms of people who are connected to football at least, but no, obviously, um, you know, I've been playing some good golf, so we gotta, we gotta cite that, but in all seriousness, yeah, he looked really good. And that, that is starting to kind of play out more like Joe Douglas probably thought it would, but it doesn't really excuse the decision to sign him over Robbie Anderson because it hasn't worked Uh, I mean, he has missed so much time because of um, injury-related stuff, and that was not, like, some big surprise going into this season. We've seen this before. I mean, he's had injury trouble his whole career. So it hasn't worked out the way the Jets wanted to, but we're seeing the flashes here, and I think he's a good option going forward as, like, a number two or or three guy So on the outside. So, um, yeah, I I think – The Jets have some building blocks here, depending on what they do moving forward, but we're going to find out how it goes.
3: One of those building blocks is Denzel Mims, who had another really nice day. As I said, did a good job of playing defensive back, got called for a penalty, but saved an interception there against Xavier Howard down near the goal line. Finished with a very respectable four catches for 67 yards, made some really nice plays, had one catch that he took for 30 yards. So he is really coming into his own here. When you look at the rest of the offense, Frank Gore, for as much as we joked about him early in the season, and I know that he got tired later on because of all the carries that he got, 18 carries, 74 yards he seems to be getting better as the season goes on which is remarkable and the offensive line look they gave Darnold time to throw today and obviously they block well enough for Frank Gore to get some yardage so those are some positives right there Perriman stepping up you saw some nice play from Denzel Mims the offensive line looks improved And, of course, the 37-year-old Frank Gore being able to make some things happen in the run game. Not all was lost here on the offense. Obviously, Frank Gore isn't somebody that you look at with an eye towards the future, but quite a few of the guys that I just talked about are, and that's a nice sign.
4: Yeah, I think with Gore, he can still be really effective. You just don't want to make him your lead. And it's not even about making him the lead option. Like, he was obviously going to be their top running back today, but... They didn't need to run him into the ground in the first half with 13 carries. They should have mixed it up more. I know Ty Johnson and Josh Adams aren't established running backs, but spell him for a few carries. And both of those guys have shown kind of big play potential. So I don't get that strategy. And then with Mims, you got to love what you're seeing in terms of consistency. He finds a way, even when this offense isn't productive, to make contributions at some point in these final five games, I think you want to see him take the next step, which is to have more than four catches in a game, to to have that kind of breakout game. But that's nitpicking. Um, overall, he's been pretty impressive, and it's still too early to you know know exactly what he's going to be. I don't I don't think we want to get ahead of ourselves. But his combination of skills and the way he thinks and his attitude has been really impressive. And I think you're seeing what you want to see from him. You just want to see kind of that next step going forward.
2: That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No over by law, 18 terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Defensively, there were some nice signs too. Let's start with Quinn and Williams. My goodness, this guy was all over the field. He seems to be getting better by the week. Which is crazy because last week he was dominant, especially in the passing game. Seven quarterback pressures last week. This week, he had two passes defense, batted them down at the line. One and a half sacks, multiple QB hits, forced a fumble, had a couple of tackles for a loss. He looks like he is becoming an elite player right before our eyes.
4: Yeah, I mean, we've been on the same page with Quinn Williams for a while here. He is showing a lot, I think. I think he's taking the next step. He's getting better every week, like you said, which is what you want to see from a player who's still, I think we forget he's only 22 years old. He's still kind of growing into his body, figuring out the NFL game. Jets fans have been hard on him because, you know, there's high expectations when a guy gets picked third overall and higher than any Jets defensive player has ever been taken in the draft. So I think – He's legitimately a pro bowler right now. And you're looking at a guy who within a year or two could be one of the best defensive linemen, the very best defensive linemen in the league. I think he's already one of the better ones. And imagine if the jets were to get an edge rusher, what that might do for him in terms of getting to the quarterback more often when defenses can't just kind of focus in on him. And that's basically where we're at, at this point. Defenses know that he's their most dangerous player on the defensive line. I'm sorry, opposing offenses know that he's their most dangerous player on the defensive line and they're paying attention to him. He's still able to do what he's doing. So that is encouraging. And I think you know, when we talk about building blocks, he is, along with Makai Becton, the biggest ones moving forward.
3: No question about it. As soon as they add an upgrade at edge, you should see some very interesting results with Quentin Williams, and not just Quentin Williams, but the rest of that interior defensive line. We know that John Franklin Myers has been really, really good so far. And then, of course, Foley Fatakasi, who had another really good game, including a sack. He's known more for his run stuffing, but today had a nice sack. Jordan Jenkins did actually have a pretty nice game, but we'll see what they do in the offseason. We'll also be interested to see... If the next defensive coordinator changes from a 3-4 base to a 4-3 base. Another guy that we should mention has been playing his ass off and played very, very well. Looks like he's trying to stick around for next year is Harvey Lange. Just incredible hustle all the way around. Terrell Basham is still getting in there and making plays from time to time. Had a really nice pressure On Ryan Fitzpatrick Early on Marcus May had some nice pass breakups Almost had an interception On Ryan Fitzpatrick And then of course Bryce Hall The 5th round rookie now Granted Devontae Parker had over 100 yards receiving It wasn't all on Bryce Hall And there were some times that Parker beat Bryce Hall But a lot of those were just Parker Making incredible catches Hall had really solid coverage for most of the way Looks very very promising So again you look at building blocks here You've got Quinn and Williams You've got John Franklin Myers, you've got Foley Fadakasi, you've got Bryce Hall. Perhaps Marcus May comes back. I don't know that I would say he's a building block, but certainly a solid player. You're looking at some good depth pieces potentially in Harvey Lange and Terrell Basham. And then Ashton Davis, another guy, gave up a touchdown, but overall showed you some flashes. So there's some hope there in that defense. And they kept the Jets in this game for the most part because, as I said, they held the Dolphins to under 14 points. For the majority of this game, it wasn't until late that the Dolphins got that game-sealing touchdown. If the Jets' defense hadn't forced... Those two fumbles and hadn't made some really nice plays throughout the game. This could have been a blowout, but they showed up to play. And despite the fact that the offense didn't do much, they kept the Jets very much in this game, at least from a score standpoint. If you looked at what the offense was doing, you were never confident that they were going to be able to put it together and get points. But as far as the scoreboard goes, they were in this game. Till about halfway through the fourth quarter when the Dolphins went up 20-3, to and that was because of the effort of the defense.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, you basically hit it perfectly. Again, with, with Lange, he's really been impressive, I think. When you see what a player can do in a season like this that seems lost, he is the perfect example. He's proving that there's plenty to play for for these guys, with his effort, with the way he's all over the field. And if the Jets aren't able to get him back, he's going to find a home somewhere next year because of the tape that he's putting forth this year. And I think the same thing goes with Bryce Hall in terms of what we talked about on a different level with Quinn and Williams, that when he gets some more help at cornerback and the Jets have some better options out there, I think you're going to see his play reach even a higher level because He's not going to have as tough of an assignment as many times during a game. So some very promising signs on the defensive side of the ball with some building blocks going forward. But obviously a lot of work to do for the Jets with a defense that even more than the offense is going to look a lot different next
3: year. couple of other quick things to touch on that happened in the game. I don't really understand what happened with that catch that they call with Devontae Parker. It sure looked like he bobbled and dropped it. I thought it was a bad call by the referees, but Devontae Parker ended up getting the call. If you haven't seen it, go and check it out. I'm reasonably sure that anybody that knows anything about football is going to look at that and not see that it was a catch. Parker himself, from his body language, seemed to think that he didn't make the catch. But this is how it goes. Refs are human, and no matter how many times they look at things, they're still going to get things wrong, even if they have instant replay. The turf, once again, playing into this game as Brashad Perriman slipped on what should have been a completion Good coverage on the play by Xavier Howard, but Perriman still had a step, and unfortunately for him, he fell down. There was a funny moment here where Marcus May was called for defensive pass interference, but the referee accidentally called it on number eighteen instead of number twenty. So I immediately thought, why are they calling defensive pass interference on Demarius Thomas, who's not even here anymore? Was A strange moment. And then a Dick Hammer reference on broadcast television. Thank you, Andrew Catalan, for that one. Dick Hammer, of course, the grandfather of Sam Darnold. And it was just funny to hear somebody acknowledge that throughout the course of a game on broadcast television. A couple of other quick notes. The Jets went for it at one point on a fourth and one from the Dolphins 30. And Frank Gore got stuffed running up the middle. Andy, as you were joking with me before we started recording... Makes no sense to me that they wouldn't try to run the ball behind Makai Becton. But then again, a lot of what went on today didn't really make a lot of sense to me. And there was a Jeff Smith sighting. Apparently, he's still around. Made a catch today. So those are the other things that we didn't touch on earlier that I thought it was worth throwing in there before we get to what went on after the game and before we go inside the locker room and now in the world of jets injuries andy we know that denzel mims came out early in the game came back pretty quickly do we know what happened there and is there anything else we need to know injury wise it did not come up with denzel mims after the game uh so not sure exactly
4: what happened there uh it looked like he might have taken a helmet to the uh thigh or maybe a a different sensitive area, but I didn't get a great look at the replay, but he really didn't miss more than a play or two before he came back in. The other kind of interesting, weird thing is that the jets were without Alex Smith. I'm sorry, Alex Lewis uh, quarterback on the mind. They were without him and we're not really sure why Uh, he missed the end or part of Friday's practice. He was limitless is limited because of a non-injury reason. And then he was inactive today because of that same reason. When we asked Adam Gase about it after the game, he said that it was something that he didn't want to get more into. When he was asked specifically if it was disciplinary, he said that they were going to keep it internal. And then when Greg Van Roten was asked about it, he said, he's not really sure what's going on that he hopes Lewis is okay. And then he's not sure what's going on going forward. So I don't know what that means. I don't know what's going on with that, Um, but it's obviously something to kind of watch moving forward because he is the Jets' starting left guard.
3: Let's talk about what was said in the locker room. Three people that spoke were Adam Gase, Sam Darnold, and Greg Van Roten. Let's start with Gase because this was some bizarre stuff. Adam Gase (laughs) was asked about the fact that it seemed like he had taken back the play calling and he gave one of the most confusing answers I've ever heard. Made absolutely no logical sense whatsoever. So I'm going to let you paint this picture, Andy. What did you notice during the game that you all confronted Gase with? And what was his response?
4: Well, thanks for the opportunity to explain this because I really <laughs> don't know how to do it. But I'm going to try. Um, so, yeah, we saw a couple. Obviously, we starting week seven against Buffalo. We saw that Dowell was calling the plays, which was something that Adam Gase later confirmed. It was confirmed on the broadcast and all that and was previously reported. It was very obvious because Gase looked different than he normally does in games. He wasn't doing his usual head buried in the play sheet thing. And in fact, he wasn't really doing anything. Uh, That seemed to change the next home game against the Patriots when he was more involved in terms of, he was on the headset clearly to to Flacco but still he wasn't like it wasn't the same deal where his head was buried in the play sheet and all of that and the explanation then was that he was just relaying Dowell's play calls to the quarterback and that was also actually believable because it's what it looked like it, he was it wasn't the same that we normally see and Dowell was active throughout the game but today basically Dowell starting on the first drive, cause I started watching it then he had his hands basically in his pockets or crossed. He wasn't doing anything. It didn't, he had a tiny play sheet and Gase was back to his normal head buried in the play sheet at all times, including like coming out of halftime, he's sitting on the bench, the, the, the thing the Jets fans have all seen where he's just sitting there writing, looking down. And it was like that the whole game. So afterward, he said that nothing had changed at first and that he was still getting the play calls from dowell but then it became dowell was giving him the first three plays of every drive so do they only expect the drives to go three plays i don't i don't understand what's going on with that and and then he but he was adamant that like it's the same thing we've been doing for the last four games which it didn't look like it and then it became like well once we were down i took over the two minute stuff but it. Didn't look like that. It looked like he was calling plays the whole time. I don't know why there's this subterfuge and, and not a clear explanation for something that's, you know, should be clear. If he wanted to take back the play calling, he's the head coach is his prerogative. I, I don't understand what the hell that was or, or the explanation or really any of it. So whatever they were doing, whoever was calling the plays, it did not work. It was terrible. And that's really all that matters, but it's definitely a, an interesting bit of intrigue. And I hope that that explanation made some sense, but please keep in mind that I can only you know, explain what I'm working with here, which did not make a lot of sense.
3: Makes no sense whatsoever. Not your explanation. That made plenty of sense given the context of what's going on. It just makes no sense what Adam Gay said, because I don't get what the value is in lying about this. Even if the idea is that you don't want Dowell Loggins to look better than you because Loggins called the plays the last two weeks when the Jets were more competitive on offense, Loggins works for Gase. So anything that he does is a reflection on Gase, and anything Gase does is obviously a reflection on him. So if it's just his ego not wanting to admit that Dowell Loggins did a better job than him, that's bizarre because there's no competitive advantage. In doing this, did anybody ask Sam Darnold who was calling in the plays to him?
4: Yeah, Sam said that it was the same as it usually is, which was Gase was calling in the plays. He only heard one voice. So, I mean, and I get that from Sam's standpoint, nothing would have changed because they had set up a system where Boggins was still calling the plays and Gase was relaying them. But this, again, did not look like that. So what Sam says just kind of doesn't matter because... Case was the one who was radioing and in the plays in the headset. Even going back to I think his last game, or maybe not. Yeah, going back to his last game against the Chiefs. So I don't know. It's the whole thing is confusing, convoluted. Uh, bottom line, it didn't work. It's it got worse. Whatever they were doing, they shouldn't keep doing. They should do what they were doing those two games when. You know, Loggins was clearly calling the plays and they were having more success, but it doesn't it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's not like they were consistently that much better in those games where they were better the whole game. I mean, they did show those flashes. And I think a lot of the the lack of that today that we saw was was because Darnold just wasn't playing well.
3: Anything else worth talking about said in the locker room after the game by Gase Van Roten or Darnold? Yeah,
4: so Sam Darnold basically seemed pretty down, and, and it's not, you know, the normal his normal self. He didn't get into much of an explanation for for the interception. Gay said on the interception, he isn't sure what happened there. Darnold said on the first interception to to Crowder, uh, Darnold said that you know he wanted that ball to be closer to the sideline, and said it was directly into the arms of a defender. And just basically said I can't make that mistake. Darnold was asked. Uh, I'll get into this. Adam Gase was asked about his future and if he's worried about getting fired mid-season. When you see Matt Patricia getting fired two days ago, he said, you know, he, it's not his concern. His concern is how he can make this team better, and you know that whole spiel. And and then Darnold said that he still has total confidence in Gase and he thinks you know he's the right coach moving forward. I mean, what do you expect Donald to say? And then Gates was asked to give his argument for why he's still the right guy for this job, which is obviously an impossible question because there's not a good answer for that. And he just said basically that the guys are battling and that, you know, it's frustrating to keep losing. And the other thing that Gates said that was kind of interesting, I can't remember. So it must not have been that interesting. (laughs) And then Jordan Jenkins was asked about 0 16 and the possibility of that happening. And he basically said, nobody in the league wants to do that. And our goal is to make sure that doesn't happen, which is obvious, but you can tell that the idea of going to own 16 is something that's weighing on these guys because it's something they're talking about. It's something they're engaging in. And if it wasn't something that's worried, worrisome to them or bothering them, they would brush the question off and get angry about it. So I think, uh, The fact that that it is a topic of conversation and that every player who was asked about it today, Darnold, uh, Van Roten, Jenkins, all of them responded to the question with real answers about not wanting to be that team. Uh, Darnold said he wasn't worried about it. He didn't think it would happen that they'd get one. But the fact that they're responding to that question tells you kind of where they're at mentally as a team.
3: Andy Vasquez, the beat reporter covering the Jets. For NorthJersey.com Thanks so much for coming on And recapping the game with me as always Really appreciate it If you're not subscribed to NorthJersey.com You're missing out on all of Andy's Archive There's no paywall once you pay $0.99. You're good to go for everything you want off NorthJersey.com. Not just from Andy, but anybody else who writes over there. Some great local journalism. You can get a lot of Andy's work before the paywall kicks in. But for $0.99, it's worth having access to everything over there. Andy, when people go over there over the next couple of days, they're going to read about this game. But I know you've got plenty of things planned for the week. What do you got cooking?
4: Well, we're going to keep looking and focusing on the Jets' future. Some of the performances we talked about today of of the guys who stood out and, and are going to be a building blocks for this team moving forward. We're going to continue to focus on them. We're going to start really taking a deeper look into Trevor Lawrence and and what the Jets would be getting in him, and and not just what they'd be getting in him, but what they need to do to make sure that they don't make the same mistakes that they made with Sam Darnold. And – uh. Focusing on kind of the future because that's really what's relevant now. So, the future, where the
3: Jets are going to finish this season, and
4: what's next for them.
3: You can get all of that when you head over to northjersey.com and check out Andy's work. And again, if you want unlimited access to everything he's written, plus everything else at northjersey.com, just 99 cents a month. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.